you are divine. Hello there, my beautiful authentic seekers, and welcome back to Divine Authenticity. Thank you so much to those of you that reached out to me on Instagram over the last couple of weeks, and you were asking if I was coming back to the podcast. Uh, Here I am. Hello, I'm back. Uh, I took a couple weeks off to, honestly, I had company in town again. Y'all know that I have been in like a busy season since March. I have literally had, I've had now four, technically five different people visit me since March, And one person came as two people. It was like two of my sisters and the other three times it was all of my close friends. So one at a time. And that obviously takes time out of my schedule, time out of what I'm doing. And my husband also is going back to working a day job, I guess you could say. We're going to talk more on that at another time. I know some of y'all are like, what? Uh, I, I promise it's actually a really good thing. And it's not just like a financial thing. There's way more to it than that. Uh, and we'll talk about it in a future episode. I would actually really like to bring my husband on to talk about it because I feel like it's not very... like. I feel like that's a topic that is meant to be addressed by both of us. And for those of you that have followed my journey with him working alongside me for the last year and a half, us being like this like digital creator couple, uh, he is actually going back to not a nine to five technically, but like, I don't know what you would call that a non-digital job. (laughs) So, um, it's actually, I think going to be a wonderful thing. We're both really happy about it. Uh, and we'll talk about it in the future. I, I've actually started to record this episode a few times and I keep going long winded about that topic. I'm just like, you know what? I just need to bring my husband, Andrew on the podcast. We need to just talk about it together and let's get to the actual point of the episode today. So if you saw from the title, you know what we're going to be talking about. Um, money habits that have kept me broke as a joke. Uh, what I feel like I have changed as especially like this to me is like advice. If I could go back and talk to like 23 year old Chloe now that I'm 32, so almost 10 years, if I could go back and talk to her and tell her this shit's keeping you broke, stop doing this shit. I think I would be in a much better position right now. And so whether you're younger, older, that doesn't matter. This is really just the stuff that I felt like truly kept me broke. So your story might be very different than mine, but this to me is what kept me broke. I feel like I am getting to a place where I'm really breaking out of that and making changes in my life that actually feel like, I'm gonna like pat myself on the back a little. They feel like so grown up. I feel like I've finally like grown up financially a little bit. So in order to talk about these things, I first need to preface this by saying, I know that everybody's financial story is different. Mine absolutely is. I did not have parents that ever sat me down to talk about money. Uh, I actually was raised with a lot of scarcity mindset around money. Um, My parents to this day, it's the number one thing that they argue about and like yell, like actually yell. They are both in their seventies. And if money gets brought up, they will like scream at each other. Um, it honestly was such a point of contention. I was also taught from really young, like, you know, you, you don't need to take a long shower. You're wasting water. That's the water bill. You need to make sure you turn your fan off every time you exit the room, because that's wasting electricity. The electricity bill is too high. And mind you, I definitely grew up in a very privileged white suburban household that like, 
I feel like it was definitely a, like, I'm not, I, d I don't believe that I came from poverty. Let's put it that way. I don't believe I came from poverty. My family was not the richest in the neighborhood or even in the town, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I came from poverty or that we didn't have anything. Like we definitely still went on a couple vacations a year. My parents had nice cars. Uh, I do feel like there were way too many fucking kids. Seven kids is too damn many. I don't care who you are. Uh, I don't know that any adult has the capacity for seven different personalities. I don't really know what they were thinking with that one. But when it comes to the, like, that probably was, honestly, sorry, parents. I'm going to drag you in this episode. <laughs> don't listen. Um, I don't think my parents listen to my podcast. And honestly, they probably shouldn't. But... I feel like when it comes to my family, that probably was like the biggest downfall is if my parents didn't have so many kids, they probably would have been better off truly like just seven kids is a lot. Think about the expense of that. Cause it's not just like diapers and baby food. It's like, you know, up until they leave the house. So, and seven of them, my God, I just, I can't even wrap my head around that as somebody that doesn't want any children at this point in my life. I cannot wrap my head around seven. That's insane to me. Uh, I don't know how the apple fell so far from the fucking tree, but it did. Anyways, besides the point, uh, I actually believe that even though I did not grow up in poverty, money was such a harsh reality growing up. My, I also felt like I had a very polarizing experience in that my mother is not frugal at all. She loves opulence. She does have a knack for luxury. She has amazing taste. I'll give her that. She has amazing taste. Um, very like classy, but uh, would spend all of her money. She would always zero her account out at like the end of the week. She was that kind of person. And my dad on the polar opposite end of that, he definitely had money, but he would always complain that he didn't. He would always complain that he didn't have any money, that he's always hurting. Even though like we had a nice house, we had nice cars. My dad had a flourishing business at multiple points in my lifetime. He was so like, would scream about having a fan left on in the house because now the electric bill is going to be high. Like I'm not just talking like you would get a stern talking to, like you would be literally screamed at. My dad would be like red in the face, angry. So when it came to money, there was always this major a contention and B just, there was always this scarcity mindset. There was never enough, even though I wouldn't even say that I grew up in a situation where there wasn't enough. You know, I always knew that food was going to be available to me. There was always a roof over my head. We had luxuries like vacations and a PC in our house growing up. Nothing about our situation would indicate to me that we were poor looking back at it now. And I'm not saying these things because I'm trying to like flaunt something. I'm just stating the facts so you can see where I've come from. So, Knowing all of that, I can see how I would not have a very good money mindset. Nobody ever pulled me aside and taught me how to balance a checkbook. Nobody ever talked to me about having a savings account or investing. Um, and if you want to get technical, as far as I know, uh, my parents don't even have retirement. Like, I don't think either of them planned super well for that. And they're both at the retirement age, but my dad is still working as if he's not retired because I don't think he can retire. And so I'm telling you those things not to drag my parents necessarily, but just so you can understand, like, 
nobody taught me how to work with money appropriately. And I have been through so much in from age like 18, actually probably like 21 until about age 30, I'm going to say. So like almost 10 years, I have lost apartments. I have been like verbally evicted from a house. I have zeroed out my account more times than I could count. I have had negative thousands of dollars in my account at a time, like negative a thousand plus because I was just not managing finances at all. And I would honestly tell you, it wasn't like I was going out every weekend in my twenties and like buying fancy dinners and buying big TVs and stereos and shit. It would be like, I bought groceries and I bought myself a new pair of shoes. Like I always felt like I just never really had enough period for like literally all of my twenties. I don't feel like I had a good grip on finances. And even when I went to like college, um, very privileged, once again, my parents for the first few semesters paid for college and I was allotted money for my rent. And then from rent, I had $90 extra a month that I could use to buy basically groceries and gas, which was not enough. Um, oftentimes my dad would actually send a little extra money, but not every time. And I had to figure out how to budget that for myself, like living as I wasn't single. I was in long distance relationship with my now husband, but I was living like a single person. And a lot of times I would just stay in my room and watch TV because there was nothing like I spent a lot of time alone in my early twenties and I don't feel badly about that. Cause I think it was honestly what I wanted to be like left alone, especially coming from such a chaotic household growing up. But I spent a lot of time on my own alone because I really didn't have the money to do anything. And when I finally got my first job in my early twenties, 21, I had no idea what I was doing. I got my first credit card in my first job and I remember like thinking I was so grown up. The first thing I did was actually call my mom and tell her to stop paying my rent, which like, I'm an idiot. Um, I was like, I will pay my own rent. Thank you so much for helping me. Like it was so important to me. I felt like money and some of you might have a similar story. I'm giving you the backstory so you could understand like why maybe this took me so long to sift through this shit and figure it the fuck out. So, um, I felt like in my family, money was always used as a leverage. So like if you ask my dad for money, number one, he would not give that money to you unless he knew he was going to get it back, which I think that's already weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I think when you're talking to like an adult, for sure, that makes sense. Your kid and like, I don't think that parents, like, I don't think that like full grown adults should like rely on their parents. I don't think that's necessary. Like that's not a necessity, but I do feel like, especially like under the age of 18, like I wasn't allowed to do anything unless like, if I wanted to buy something, my dad would be like, okay, well you have to like work with me to work that money off. Like I wasn't ever just given things. I had to work for those things. And some people, maybe I'm just an asshole kid or I was an asshole. 
You would say that that would teach me responsibility, but that shit made me bitter as hell as a kid. I was like, this fucking stupid. I know my parents can afford this shit. I don't know why I have to do this. Like it did not teach me a damn thing. Mostly because I saw how chaotic they were with money that it didn't teach me anything. And I definitely had a sense of entitlement. I don't feel that way now, but that's definitely how I felt then. I had a big sense of entitlement. And um, in any case there was nothing that was ever just given. Like if I wanted an iPhone, I had to work with my dad to pay that iPhone back. If I wanted um, a certain like bougie pair of shoes that I went to my dad for, I would have to work to pay that back. So that was never just a given. My mom was a lot more giving, but the issue here is that Oftentimes she would spend a lot of money on me, like clothing, things like that, doing nice things. But then she would use that to her advantage. If I didn't want to go do something with her, like, you know, after midnight, go get gas with her on a school night. She would look at me and go after everything I've done for you. You know, she would use that as leverage and it's just, yeah. So when it came to money, I wanted to get away from my parents and asking them for things as quickly as I could as, as a young adult. So as soon as I got my first job, that was the first thing I did was I was like literally month one of my new job. I called my mom and I said, Hey, I don't want you to pay my rent anymore. I've got it. Like I was making enough at the time to handle it. And now looking back, what a fool I was. I should have let her continue to pay that because it would have been really nice to just have money. Um, so I also, my dad like stopped spend, sending spending money after that too. And it wasn't like it was a lot. I want to say he might send me like 150 to $200, which to me, looking at like even just groceries would eat up more than half of that. And then gas on top of that, I maybe would end up with like $30 a month to my name if I was lucky to do something. Um, and of course I'm in college, like I wasn't drinking or anything cause I was living in Utah of all places, but even just going to the movies, like there, there it all goes, <laughs> you know? So um, I definitely, again, I know that some people for you that might seem like I had so much and your story might be so much different than mine. I'm not telling you these things because I'm trying to flaunt something at you or, you know, I understand that everybody's at a different point of privilege. I want you to know that I recognize that I was privileged and I see it, but I'm still going to tell you my authentic truth and how I feel about it because the end point blank period. Um, just because I have pain, there is somebody that's always going to have it worse than me, but that doesn't negate the fact that I have pain, you know, anyways. So when I got my first like big check from work, I remember I like maxed out my credit card because I felt like I could. And I, so I maxed out my credit card <laughs> buying a new TV. That was the one time in my adult life that I actually maxed a credit card to buy a brand new TV. And like, mind you, I had a tube TV, like one of those really old ones before that. So this TV was well and truly outdated and being the person with taste that I am because I was raised by a Virgo. Uh, I definitely bought a Samsung. I bought like the top of the line. It wasn't a big TV, but it was the most expensive one for its size. And it was like from that point forward, I never could grasp how to manage money appropriately. I was always, oh, what do I want next? What's the cool thing I want next? 
And I was always just paying the minimum on my credit card, always just, and even if I wasn't buying myself things, it was groceries. I would spend so much money on food, period. And I feel like, honestly, something we don't talk about enough in society as well is that when you work a job that sucks the life out of you, because I worked nine to five, and it did suck the life out of me. I was a customer support agent for all of my nine to five career, even though it was at different companies, especially as somebody that's like highly sensitive. We are so good at being customer support representatives because we care, but they are the worst jobs for people like us because people take advantage of that and then it hurts. But in any case, doing this, I would be so exhausted by the time my shift was over. I would just go to Del Taco every night. And like, I know that's not that expensive, but like when your rent is also, I want to say I paid like five fifty a month in rent, uh, which that was renting like a shared apartment, five fifty a month in rent. And then it was like groceries. And I did have a little extra spending money by that time, but I was not utilizing a savings account. I was not utilizing again, I don't feel like I was like, I just didn't even think about it. I know it sounds dumb. It sounds so stupid when I say it out loud. Now it sounds ridiculous. And I'm not trying to shit on you. If this is how you behave with money. I genuinely just kind of always had this attitude of like, eh, you only live once. Like I'm just going to do what I want. Who gives a shit about tomorrow? Who gives a shit? If like something catastrophic happens and I don't have money for it, who cares if the gas runs out of car or the car runs out of gas? Like I'll figure it out. I kind of always had this like ride by the seat of my pants attitude and literally for 10 years. And mind you, I've had a lot of financial ups and downs in those 10 years. Like I've told you before, I've lost. Well, I don't really even like the term lost because I think I always ended up in a better situation every time. Um, once for sure, I would say that we were like verbally evicted. It never went through processing. So I don't like have a, an addiction on my, or an addiction, no, an eviction on my record or anything, but left because it was miserable and we just couldn't afford it. I say we, it was me and my boyfriend at the time. Now he is my husband. Um, and then even living out here in Washington, we were not evicted. We chose to leave of our own accord, but our apartment's rent went like through the roof over the course of just a few months because we were month to month at that point in time. They refused to sign a new lease with us, but we were going to have to pay like over a thousand dollars more in rent per month. And to be honest, at that point in time, we couldn't afford it. So I felt like we were forced out financially and had to find somewhere else to go, which now I'm in like my dream home. And it was the perfect opportunity for that. You know, like I said, I feel like I always end up in a better situation, but still really scary. Nobody likes to feel like they don't know where they're going to be because of finances and the roof over their head. It's awful. It feels terrible. Um, it's like, and I'm a cancer Venus, which I think makes it even worse because the thing that I care about the most is my home. Like, even though I love the idea of traveling the world, you better believe my home is always going to be number one, number one destination. Um, so I feel like I've kind of had like a crazy background with money. I have been through time periods in my twenties where I pawned a lot of stuff because I couldn't afford my lifestyle and couldn't, I don't even want to say couldn't afford my lifestyle because I want to make it very clear when I had my first like couple sets of jobs, um, I, it was okay. Like I, I did okay. I do feel like I spent a little more frivolous, frivolously, but 
I want to say circa like 25, 26, 27 years old, even. Um, no, <laughs> I felt like what happened was, is I had a boom in my gaming career and I was like, yes, I'm a full-time gamer. And then when that career started to tank, it really put me and my husband in a horrible spot. And I'm just going to say it because I am your anti-capitalism queen. I refuse. I am here for Gen Z's. I do not dream of labor. I refuse to work a job that I have to sell my soul to. I would rather work 80 hours a week or more doing something I love and believe in than working even 10 hours a week for somebody and something I do not believe in. And I learned that really early in my 20s. And so I have always been a hustler from that point forward. I've always been somebody that will make it work, will make the best out of any shitty situation because truly, and I feel like unfortunately living under the boot of capitalism, that's just how it is. People like, I don't even want to get into that topic. That's not the discussion I want to have right now. But my point is, I am, I am anti-capitalism. I don't agree with selling your soul so that you can like, I don't agree in working, living so that you can work. <laughs> I don't agree in living so that you can work. I believe in, I don't even believe in working so you can live either. I feel like we all deserve so much more than that, but I just, I don't even think at this point in my life, like I would shrink my life so much if I had to in order to not go back to a nine to five, because it's just not frankly for me. Um, I would do a lot of things before going back to a nine to five, like a lot of things. I would literally move back in with my parents before I would go back to a nine to five. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I probably would go back to a nine to five that I take that back. I take it back. <laughs> I've lived with my parents as an adult. That was not fun. I would do a lot before I had to do that. Um, but I would do a lot of things before going back to a nine to five, because that to me is, I'm not trying to talk shit on anybody who works a nine to five. I think if you're happy it not entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I totally get behind that. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad about their choices today. For me, however, that is like a core value for me. I can't stand the idea. Like it hurts my soul to think about working a day in my life on somebody else's dream when I could be working on my own dream you know, and some people you're happy. You're and that's good. I'm happy for you. I'm so happy for you. But anyways, I feel like I'm stipulating too much and I'm starting to annoy myself. Like I'm just going to say what I came here to say. So yeah, there have been time periods in my twenties where I've pawned a lot of things like video game sets, things like that, because I felt like I had to, to eat. Um, like Honestly, the path of entrepreneurship has not been pretty. There have been times where business has been booming and been awesome and cool things have happened, but there have been a lot of lows too, where I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from, where things were really terrible and like, it, it's not fun. And I feel like I'm also such a prideful bitch. Like I can't stand the idea of having to ask somebody for financial help. Like I always think I should be able to handle it. And fact of the matter is sometimes we can't always handle it. Sometimes we do need help and we need to ask others for help. That's like, if I could make one more point before I get into the things that I felt like kept me truly broke is that when I think about society and I've said this before, so this might be a repeat. We think about society and like even animals. Okay. Most animals are born with something that they do. Okay. So like deer, they start walking right away. Right. People, we cry. 
We cry to get our needs met. That is our thing. That's what we do. And yet we all convince ourselves that we're supposed to be these machines, these islands that can do everything by themselves. Frankly, you cannot. You need community. You need friends. You need family. No matter what that looks like for you, blood-related or not, you need that. Don't convince yourself that you don't need community, even when it comes down to the financial aspect of your life. I'm not saying you have to rely and like take advantage of people to help yourself. But sometimes like if you're in a really bad spot, you got to put the fucking pride down and ask somebody for some help. And honestly, there have been so many points in my twenties that I wish I had asked for more help. Um, even though there were definitely points where I'd asked for help and I was turned down by my own flesh and blood, that shit was awful. And I think that's what gave me such a prideful attitude. But in any case, moving on, I want to talk to you about the habits that I feel like kept me broke, that I have changed, that is like building back my wealth at this point. Because honestly, the last year has been hard. I think for a lot of people also like just going through COVID times, having businesses shut down, it's not been good for a lot of people. And like, you know, especially as um, inflation has risen, I understand we don't even have to talk about all of that stuff. And honestly, I don't want to. That's not the focus of this episode. I actually want to talk to you about how we don't have to talk like that. We don't have to say that everything is doom and gloom and everything's terrible and we should just accept that we're all going broke and that the world's on fire. I actually think that that's a terrible mindset to have. And when we have a growth mindset and we let ourselves continue to be curious, that's how you can actually change your situation. So let me see how many things are here. One, two, three, four, five, six. I am the queen of giving six lists of things like six. I think in our last episode, we had six things as well. So here are the six things that Chloe Taylor believes kept her broke. Now, please remember, these might not be things that would keep you broke. Some of the shit you might find ridiculous, but these are things that kept me broke. So the number one thing I want to slap myself, I want to go back to 23 year old Chloe and just slap her across the face and be like, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, I know what was wrong with her and I love her and I'm so grateful that she helped me to come up to the place that I am at now and move forward in life. And I needed her, you know, we can say all those really nice things too, but sometimes I just want to slap her and be like, girl, get it together. Um, number one is not saving anything. Now I know some of, for some of you, this is you. You don't use your savings account because you feel like you can't. I have been there. I know what it feels like to feel like you don't have a fucking pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Okay. I do. I really do. I know what that feels like. It's awful. But even if you are saving 1%, not, not even, even if all you have is like a dollar a week, that dollar a week, here's where that's going to come in clutch for you. If you saved I know, I know, just, just, just bear with me for a minute. That dollar a week over time, even if you saved, let's say up to like $15, if you're in a really tight spot and I've been in these situations, so I know where you can't even afford to put gas in your car to go somewhere that you need to go work or otherwise, that $15 will come in clutch for you. There have been too many instances where Chloe in her twenties walked up to a grocery store cashier 
and couldn't afford the groceries in front of her because something deducted from my account that I wasn't paying attention to. And I didn't have a savings account to just move some money over really quick. There have been multiple times where I've had to borrow money from friends for gas and just be like, haha, I left my wallet at home. Can you spot me? I'll give it back to you. And then of course I would always give it back on payday. But even if I saved a dollar here and there, it makes a difference when you need that money in clutch. Okay. So something that I will admit, I have not always been able to do this. There are time periods in my life where frankly, I literally could not afford that 10%. And so I get it. But if you're in a position right now and you're somebody that can afford to allocate 10% of your income into a savings account, do it. Literally 10% of every single thing that comes into my bank account gets put immediately into a savings account. And right now, I'm just working to build like two to three months of income that could be, because hear me out. Two to three months of bills, basically, of living expenses, not just bills. So like groceries, bills, and I would say spending money to a point. I am currently working to accrue that. And the reason for that is because when you have three months of bills, even a month, even one month extra in your savings account, you walk around the world differently. You're not afraid. You're not living in scarcity mindset. It changes the way that you walk in the world. I swear to you. If you feel like you have nothing, not a dollar to your name or your account is always in the negative because you don't save anything and you're just spending money at random, which was my problem, it hits different when you have money held back for yourself for later. Even if, like my problem I feel like right now has been that I honestly felt like I would never say no to myself, even over the smallest things. I would be like, ah, oh, I need a calculator, um, a physical one, you know, cause my phone for whatever reason can't use that. I would go to Amazon and immediately pick up a calculator. And I'm not saying that someday I can't live that way. I think that if that's how you want to live your life, there's no shame in that. But I do think that right now I'm not in a position where I can just say yes to every single little thing. That is something that I would like for myself in the future. But honestly, having a savings account where I have my bills, I know that if something dramatically got fucked up, I would have three months to sort it out before shit's really going to hit the fan. And that's something that is a luxury that I have never had for myself ever. Not in my entire life. I have never had enough money to cover even half of my bills at one time. And I just want to know what it feels like. That to me is financial freedom. Financial freedom is knowing that the decision you're about to make, especially if you're somebody that's a creative and you live off of your creative work. If you don't have to make a decision on if you're going to make something or create something in the world, just so your bills get paid, if you will, you will behave differently in the world if you know that you've got it in the bank like that. So that's like my main goal right now is like paying back debt and also 10% of everything that comes into my account. I don't care if I made like $20 on one day, because you have to remember with like, um, with my style of business, it's not just YouTube AdSense. It's like, honestly, because I sell course, like a course now too, it's most of the time, I would say every day something is coming into my account. It might only be a few dollars here and there, but 
even if it's 50 cents, I don't care. I don't care. If literally $5 came into my bank account, that 50 cents is going into savings. Like there's no, do you see what I'm saying? Like I don't make excuses for anything. 10% of every single thing that comes into my account goes into that savings account. And if you don't have enough to do 10% right now, 5%, 2%, 1%, a dollar a week, something. You will walk different through the world if you know that you have money waiting for you that you can rely on. If A, something happens or if shit hits the fan, you walk different. And for me, that's again, something that has not always been possible for me. There have been plenty of times in my life where I could not afford a savings account and I get it. But if you ever find yourself in the position where you can, and you know that you can allocate for it. Uh, the next thing that was keeping my ass so fucking broke, um, is talking broke. So what I mean by that is just remove the word broke from your fucking vocabulary, remove it. You are not broke. Okay. You're not broke. It's not too expensive. Stop saying those words. You're not broke. It's not too expensive. And if you feel like, oh, I can't say that because it is true. I am broke. It is expensive. Don't say that to yourself. Say like, even instead of saying that's too expensive, tell yourself, I can't afford that yet, but I'll find a way how. That is like the epitome of having a growth mindset is I can't afford that yet, but I'm going to figure out how. That is the speech of somebody that is trying to expand their abundance mindset. Stop talking to yourself about yourself and to other people like you don't have enough because your subconscious mind, even if you're talking about somebody else and how they're broke, your subconscious mind, which is literally the control center for everything that you do in this lifetime, your subconscious mind doesn't know you're talking about somebody else. You're talking about yourself and your subconscious mind. And because of that, we know that we are creators of this reality. You are a creator of this reality as much as I am. And if you are constantly putting that into your subconscious, that you're broke, that everything's too expensive, that you don't know what the hell you're doing, that money is hard to come by, whatever it is that you keep saying to yourself, you're going to continue to perpetuate that. And I know this from personal experience. I did this thing and I've talked about it on the podcast before. So I'll give you the cliff notes version. I did this experiment with myself where one day, I think it was for like one or two weeks straight. I can't remember the exact timeline, but I know it was at least a week. Honestly, it might've even been for a month. I remember doing this for a long time. So maybe because it was working. So I kept doing it. Um, my husband and I would go to the mall and walk around and like get steps in at the mall because we were like really addicted to 10,000 steps a day at that point. And I say addicted in like a good way. It felt good. We were like happy to do it. It was part of our daily routine. And when we did it, we would, um, walk around the mall because it was really hot outside. We lived in Utah at the time and it's like desert there. So in the summer, it's really freaking hot. Um, people for some reason don't know that because Utah gets snow. People think that Utah is nice. No, it gets over a hundred there in the summer. It's actually terrible. <laughs> um, it is awful to be honest. And I love living in Washington state where we might get like one day that caps over a hundred in the summer, maybe two. The weather here in the summer is like so tolerable, but 
In any case, we would go to the mall and while we were at the mall, I would play this game with myself. And instead of telling myself, oh, that's so expensive. I wish I could buy that. I can't afford that. Even if I had negative dollars in my account, I did not care. I would say, I'm rich, I can afford that. I'm rich, I can afford that. And the thing is, you don't wanna just say this to yourself, you wanna feel it. You wanna imagine yourself walking into that store and buying whatever it is that you want while you're doing it. And I was doing it while I was walking, which was activating both the left and right side of my brain, which this gets into like EMDR therapy in a way, because EMDR therapy works the same way in the sense that you activate both sides of the brain. And so it helps you process things. So I was sinking this into my subconscious even faster because I was adding movement to it. So really powerful game to play. I would literally do this on a daily basis. My husband and I were doing this shit every day. He wasn't doing the money stuff. He didn't believe me. He was actually making fun of my ass at the time. And then I want to say it was in like the first week we randomly received like $800 because my husband got, um, a bonus and a promotion that he wasn't expecting. And, or he got like employee of the month or some shit like that. Something happened and we got like this $800 bonus Um, and then like, it just kept happening. Like we kept receiving like random amounts of money that were coming from all over the place. And it just, nothing made me a believer faster than changing the way you talk, speak and think about money. So, and of course I'm human. I still fall prey to saying shit that I shouldn't say, but talking broke literally will keep you broke. I promise. So remove that shit from your vocabulary. Okay. Uh, the next thing, and this one is still hard for me. This one is still hard for me, especially as an anti-capitalism girly, uh, not believing that I'm worthy. And I think a lot of people have this problem. I don't think I'm alone in the sense that I would feel guilty for making money. Like there were time periods in 2020 where I capped over $20,000 a month. Like that was normal for me. Um, that was like a high, high that I'd never seen at any other point in my career. That was more money than I'd like, there were years in my life where I didn't make that much money over the year. So like, that was crazy to me to see something like that in a month. Um, there were like, it just immediately though, I felt guilty receiving money like that because of course, also in the middle of the panini too, where businesses are shutting down and all this catastrophe is happening. I felt terrible. Like I was like, I don't deserve this. Why am I being blessed? I don't like, this is not for me. And it ultimately most of the money in in truth ended up going to like medical debt, which is lame, but I didn't even get anything cool with it. I mean, I did move technically part of like my move to Washington state was funded with a lot of that, but, um, I didn't feel worthy of it. I felt guilty for having money. And this also kind of core, like, correlates with, um, one of these points, which is friends. Okay. I felt like a lot of the friends I was keeping at the time were also really in scarcity mindset. And I felt guilty for having money because so many people in my friendship circles did not have money like that. And this is something that I also feel like I'm still working on because I don't think you need to just like cancel all your friends and not speak to anybody because suddenly they're too poor for you. It's not like that. I don't think you should ever do that to someone. But I do think that something that we don't talk about enough is there is a difference when you're in a room full of people that are not on the same trajectory as you. And I don't mean financially. I mean, even just with like what they believe they can accomplish, whether it's money or not, 
when you're not in a room full of, I call these people visionaries. When you're not in a room full of visionaries and you're in a room full of people that just settle for crumbs, the conversation is different. The conversation is wholly and fully different. And when you're in a room full of people that believe that they can create their reality, have anything they want, make any kind of money that they want, it hits different than when you're in a room full of people that don't believe in any of it and just say like, life's a bitch and then you die. Life is suffering and then you die. It hits different. And so the thing I want to say though, is that Number one, I didn't think I was worthy of it. And I also think part of that problem was that I surrounded myself with people that also didn't think they were worthy of it. And so we were always talking about how like everything's crazy. Inflation is so terrible. Everything's the worst. And I don't think you need to put your blinders on and be unaware. In fact, I think that's one of the worst things we could do is try to avoid what is. But I also think that if you're constantly flooding yourself with that, you're missing out on the opportunity and the time that you could have coming up with those million dollar ideas. And also I am a big believer in, I do think that good hearted, kind, generous, genuine people deserve money. And we should be giving money to those people because they are the people that actually can get into the rooms that can make and enact proper change for the world that we would like to see. Right? we keep giving our money to fucking Jeff Bozo, we're going to keep seeing what we've already been seeing. Right. And I'm no better. I get it. I still shop at Amazon. Okay. It's convenience for sure. All of us do it. I don't know anybody in my immediate circle that doesn't use Amazon. Um, but my point is that it's okay. You are worthy of having more. If you're somebody that you want to live in a mansion? Don't let people tell you that you can't live in a fucking mansion. That's something else that used to drive me up the wall is I would tell my friendship circle that I wanted to live in a mansion someday. Like, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I had a lot of like luxury guilt. I am a bitch that loves opulence. Okay. It's not about telling other people, Oh, look at my bag. I'm so cool. It's not that. It's that I actually enjoy and luxuriate in the experience of luxury. Luxury like gets me high on some new shit. <laughs> I love luxury. Like take me to a Nordstrom's and let me shop. Okay. I enjoy opulence. I enjoy luxury, but it's not because I want to be flashy and stunt on a motherfucker. It's because I actually like, it, I enjoy the experience and I feel like if you enjoy the experience of luxury, you should be allowed to want that. You should be allowed to desire that. You don't need to keep fucking unpacking why you want something and then make your life less. I actually think that that's a crock of shit that we tell each other. And honestly, I think a lot of it is rooted in the fact that many people don't believe that they can have more. And so they put down people's dreams of wanting more. And I remember one time I told one of my friends that I wanted to live in a mansion and her immediate snap judgment was why like you could tell immediately the shift in the conversation you could feel the shift in the energy you could feel that there was judgment and like her whole thing was like she assumed it was going to be like a castle with wings and servants and shit like that and even if it was so fucking what that's not, did y'all know just like as a side tangent that a mansion is just a large home. 
and there is no qualification that your home has to meet in order to be considered a mansion. So there's that something to chew on. Um, my idea truly of a mansion is something that could literally be a five bedroom, three bathroom house, but it's on like a lot of land. That to me is like a mansion or like a chateau, something like that. Um, that really is my dream. My long-term life plan is to have a winery someday in a chateau and like run a bed and breakfast. I would love to do that in my lifetime and also be an aerobics instructor because I think I would also be really good at that. But that's like later in my life. I don't plan to do that right now. <laughs> Not because I think that I can't have that right now. It's just that like, you know, sometimes you see different stages of your life. That's who I see myself as in my old age. I don't see myself as that right now. And in any case, it just like, you have to remember that people that don't dream as big as you, they're going to try to put that, they're going to try to cap your dreams. They're going to try to tell you that like, because they don't feel worthy of it, you shouldn't feel worthy of it. And somehow it's bad. Somehow it's terrible. Somehow you shouldn't want that. And my answer to that is like the, with the not feeling worthy, number one, is the only way you're going to feel worthy is if you go in there and dissect that. Ask yourself who made you feel unworthy for wanting the things that you want, the lifestyle you want, the income that you want. And also, why do you want money? Is it actually the money or is it, is it that you want freedom of time? Is it that you want, like, cause for me, that's really what it boils down to. It's not about the money. It's not about the opulence even, even though I I'm a bitch that loves opulence, but it's not even really the opulence. It's that I want freedom. That's what I want more than anything. And I will stop at nothing until I feel like I fully have it. So what is that money going to buy you that you think you don't have right now? Figure that out. And you're going to find lo and behold that you're worthy of having that. And if having money is what gets you to that, yes, you are worthy. It's honestly, I think a lot of the worthiness stuff comes down to us seeing other people in our lives, not go after it, accomplish it, or put us down or tell us that our dreams, we shouldn't dream of that for whatever reason. So I would say just like dissect that with yourself a little harder. And the second part of that with the friends thing, I hate to say it because again, I don't think this is a, you can't be friends with people that don't have money. I don't think it's that. I think that you can. But what you need to realize is that when you're trying to change the way that you think about money and talk about money, sometimes you can't sit with people that refuse to change. Like, for example, if you didn't want to drink, you wouldn't hang out with the friends that you made that drink every weekend or every night. You couldn't because it might be too tempting for you to slip back into those old patterns and continue to drink. Maybe after some time had passed, once you'd given the habit up, you could talk to those people. But often you're going to find that those people aren't even interesting because the only thing y'all had in common was drinking. I find that oftentimes when it comes to a broke mindset, if it's something that comes up between you and your friend or you and other people a lot... That's like the only thing you actually bond over is the discussion of money and how y'all don't have any. And you're not going to become richer or have more money by keeping those broke ass friends around. I'm sorry. In order to change, you are going to have to be okay losing some friends, losing some people and going in alone for a while. And I always remind myself 
that you are the five people you spend the most time around. So if you don't want to be caught in the loop of always talking about being broke, you have to stop talking to the people that are always convincing you that you're broke and that they're broke and everyone's broke and everything's terrible. And it's going to suck. But even until you find new people that actually have the mindset that you do, because they do exist, I promise you, they do exist. When you find people that have a similar mindset and are working on the same things as you, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. But when you find those people, it, it, it like makes you believe in yourself more. You get on their level and they expand you and you expand them. It's kind of amazing how that happens. Like, yeah, it, it blows my mind actually. Like the first time I ever sat with somebody that had such an open mind about these kinds of things, it was a breath of fresh air. I was like devastated that they had the audacity to live as far away from me as they do. And I'm not going to name any names because I don't think this person listens to my podcast, but like still they are like a real one. And they made me believe that friendships like that were real because they are. And I was used to always sitting with people that have this mentality of they can't change. They can't go after their dreams for one reason or another. They can't do this, can't do that, can't change. And when you're constantly in that limited space, it's going to keep you limited. And if you know somebody in your neck of the woods, in your friendship circle, that is a fucking visionary, you hold on to that motherfucker and you change the way you speak around them. Because I swear that visionary, when they finally get the gall and they realize that this is not where they want to sit, they will leave. And if you want to learn from that visionary, I highly encourage you to start listening to the things that they have to say, because you will change each other's lives if you decide to go in that direction. Um, I would be surprised if anybody's in that situation. I feel like the visionaries are probably here listening, trying to find the right people for them, but you never know, just throwing it out there. Um, and I also want to add to that, that I say this all the time and it's because it works for me and it has worked for me when you don't know where to find friends that are going to like line up with this new attitude that you're bringing in for yourself. I'm telling you, juice podcasts, audiobooks, biographies, interviews, find the people, the accounts, the Instagram handles, Clean out your social media. Your social media is not for your friends and family. Your social media is for you to A, express yourself in your own divine, correct way. And it's also for you to connect with people. I mean, it could be for friends. I feel like if it connects you with the right people, but don't be afraid to go alone for a while and like make those five people that make you up people that inspire you, read their books, listen to their podcasts, listen to their interviews, make those people, the people and you are literally going to find, give it two weeks. Don't talk to the people that keep you in this lack mindset and this broke ass mindset and listen to people that uplift, inspire and encourage you to dream bigger. I promise you it will make it like painful to go and sit with people that think a different way because you will have opened your mind and changed your life so much in, I swear to you, it takes 14 days, two weeks, give it two weeks of doing this. I would say even a week would be pretty good, but two weeks, you will change your mindset so much that it will be difficult to sit with people that don't think like that. And I'm not saying you need an echo chamber. I do think once you become strong enough in your own convictions, you can start talking to more people again, but you've got to take a break out for yourself until you feel like you've got it, especially when you're retraining your brain on how you want to think about money. And um, the next thing, and I think this is actually the last thing. No, there's two things. Okay. Um, 
Judging people that have money. Oh, this one, this one really gets me because I believe that if you have like shitty beliefs about people that I'm not saying that there aren't people in the world that do bad things with money. Okay. That is real. That is very real. We see it. However, I, if I had a fucking nickel for every time that I mentioned to somebody that like people or a certain person I know has a vacation home and then the home that they really live in, how many friends have rolled their eyes, not even knowing these people, not knowing what they're about, not knowing what they do or how they help the world or anything, roll their eyes. And I get it. We have a homelessness problem in our country and it's ludicrous to think that one person can have two homes. I get it. I understand the frustration. I get it. But I also think without knowing the person, their situation, what they're about, what their legacy was, having that mentality of immediately just like, oh, it must be so nice. It's this like immediate judgment of somebody that has money because you yourself feel like you lack. It's not going to get you anywhere. I would honestly argue that the healthier you can think about money and think about people that have money, the easier it becomes. When you celebrate people for having wealth, it creates more wealth for you yourself. Because again, we bring in an abundance mindset. You have to think about money almost like its own entity and like you have a relationship with it. So if you're constantly shitting on money as its own entity for being in other people's pockets and not yours, it's not going to make it come to your pockets any faster. It doesn't work that way. You have to celebrate money at every step of the journey. So judging people that have money, not the way to go, sis. Not going to help you. And lastly, this one's kind of, kind of contradictory, but hear me out. Not spending any money. <laughs> I know. I literally just told you to save money, and now I'm telling you to spend it. So here's the thing. Money is inherently feminine. Money is feminine. I know we think of it as masculine. It's not. And that's why some of the richest people in the world, literally, they know that money is inherently feminine. And that's like the secret fucking hidden knowledge that nobody's talking about. How um, I learned this actually from Jaylin, baby Jay on YouTube. She was talking about how men in particular, um, or like not even men, anybody who I feel like carries the divine masculine as their dominant. So that could be somebody that is female, you know, they could identify however, but they carry divine masculine energy as their dominant. They know that in order to keep money flowing, cash flow, right? To keep money flowing, they have to honor the goddess. They have to honor the feminine in themselves, in other people that carry like feminine energy. They have to honor the feminine in order to keep things moving at a steady pace. And like I said, to me, that's like some deep seated hidden ass knowledge that nobody talks about for whatever reason, but money is inherently feminine. How do we know this? We know that it's not masculine because water is often associated with the feminine, right? The emotions, the oceans, the lakes, the rivers, the flow that is associated with divine feminine energy. Now think about the way that we talk about money, river banks, cash flow, um, currency. Okay. All of those are water based. And here's the thing. Money doesn't want to be held. Money doesn't want to just sit in a bank and collect dust. 
Money wants to be spent. Money wants to multiply. So I'm not saying you can't keep some back for yourself. I think having a savings account is a beautiful thing. But every time you go to spend money on a bill, on something that you utilize, okay, remind yourself that you are keeping money in a steady flow by doing that. What goes out has to come back in and what comes in has to go back out. And the more that you can accept that, the easier it's going to be to have high increase come towards you because you are honoring that feminine flow. You're letting money flow. Think of it as an energy. If you can't see like the physical money doing it, think of it like an energetic pull, right? And I would also argue that even having like, if you believe in feng shui, I did a whole episode on feng shui at one point where I talked to you about kind of how it works and feng shui or feng shui. I've heard it said a few different ways. There are places in the home that you can actually put like a tiny fountain or like a water feature that will actually help your money flow easier. I know this because I've used this shit in my own house and it does work. Like even if you have a cat and your cat has a cat fountain, I have one of those. My cats totally have a cat fountain because they're spoiled little princesses and I love them. Um, spoiled princes and a princess, but you know. Um, and you could put your cat fountain in that corner of the house and that would automatically help or keeping a plant in that corner of the house, uh, because that also talks about like growth, right? Having a plant growing in the corner would support growth. Um, you can always tell by the way, side story that you can tell how abundant a household is. In my opinion, if you walk inside and the plants are thriving, if the plants be dead, you know that there is some stank ass energy in there. Um, if the plants are thriving though, you always know that like not only the energy of the house, but like the energy of the people's good. Um, just, just witchy things, just little witchy things. So not spending any money is not going to help you. Money wants to be in flow. So you do want to make sure that you're still spending money. If you're just accruing money and not doing anything with it, it, that also does not help you multiply it and bring it in. So those are the habits that have kept my ass broke. These are the things that I have changed that I feel like are honestly turning my whole life around right now. And I hope this episode helps somebody out there. I don't know if every point is going to be applicable to you, but I hope you got something out of it. I hope it helps you. I hope it, I don't know. I, I, I think that all these things are helpful, but they were helpful for me. So in any case, thank you so much for tuning in. I love and appreciate you so much. You're a wonderful, wonderful person. And thank you. Just, just thank you. Thank you. Endless gratitude. Uh, please do not forget when you stand on your own authenticity, <clears throat> you empower everyone around you to do the same. And I will talk to you again real soon. Bye.